If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And guess what? It's free. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. When we were in the early stages of our relationship, Harrison cut his own hair. He did not cut his own hair well, but he cut his own hair. Man, and it was so, fine. No, he looked terrible, ladies. Like, I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Like, if this hair doesn't change, I don't know if we can continue. So, um, but yeah, so one day he's cutting his hair in the bathroom and he was like, hey, can you just like hit the back? And I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't know how to cut hair. Right, because I would use like buzzers and I could see everything on the sides and the top. So I could like do that, but, but I can't see the back by the neck. Okay, but let me tell you something right now. If a black man knew that you didn't know how to use some clippers, you cannot approach the head. Like, you cannot approach. And so when he was like, yeah, just hit the back, I said, I don't really know how to do that. He said, no, it's fine. Just like, you know, you just kind of go up. The <laughs> just just kind of blend it a little bit. <laughs> Ladies, I was like, this is a cultural moment right now because I'm telling you right now, I asked like three black dudes like, hey, you know, would you let me just line you up real quick if I didn't know how to, he was like. Resounding no. Resounding no from all. Hell no is the answer that you get. Our stories are what make us unique but they're also what connect us as human beings. It's time to stop talking and start listening. This is You Talk, I'll Listen with Shannon Chapman. On this episode, we're going to be talking about something that was illegal in a lot of places until 1967, which is not that long ago. That is interracial marriage. I have with me Taryn and Harrison, and they are an interracial couple. Taryn is black. Harrison is white. Can you guys tell me a little bit about what your life was like before you met each other? Sure. I'll start. So like you said, I am I'm white, and I grew up in the suburbs of Minnesota, which is the equivalent of me saying that like I grew up in a sea of white people. right? So. Like I had Asian friends, but even my Asian friends were probably culturally like pretty similar in, in a lot of ways. Um, I grew up in a family uh, that was pretty conservative. I mean that both in terms of their like religious beliefs, right? Conservative Christian, evangelical, but also politically, like Republican, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in a lot of stereotypical, well, I guess not stereotypical because most people when they think like stereotypical, like Christian or stereotypical Republican, they'll think like very like hateful. Um, but I would say that like for me, my parents and even my extended family never really spoke negatively about people who looked different than us. Um, and I would hope that most people who are Christian would be like that, right? The idea of being a Christian is that you look more like Christ as time goes on. So I think as is true for a lot of white families, people who are in the majority culture, growing up, race wasn't a, a super common topic. Again, if you're growing up around white people, What's there to talk about? Like, it's not something that you encounter on a, on a regular basis. 
Whereas if you're black, you might be reminded on a daily basis that you're black. And as a white kid growing up, I was rarely, I really thought about the fact that I'm a white guy, right? So yeah, grew up in, in suburban Minnesota, which super white. I'm Taryn, and I grew up in super white suburban Alpharetta. <laughs> so um, I always had a group of black friends that are still my rocks um, to this day. But in terms of uh, culturally, you know, I would say that, you know, I knew a lot about how to be the only, you know, spot in the room. Um, and so I don't find myself uncomfortable around people who look different than me because that's just what I grew up around. Also grew up in a Christian loving home. Um, my dad grew up on the South side of Chicago though. So race was a common topic and how to interact with people that don't look like you or interact with the police, like just things that you hear, even the stories that my dad used to tell about how he grew up and the racism that he experienced, you know, shaped a lot of how I thought, you know, white people might think of me as a black woman. But I never really had any personal issues with racism. I mean, I think I got called the N-word in fourth grade one time, right? And one time is too many, but it wasn't something that was, it wasn't an often occurrence in my life. Um, and so one of the things that my parents taught me that I think really stuck with me, though, is that when you're choosing a partner, what's in their heart is what's most important. And so I think that really set the stage for Harrison and I's relationship now, just knowing that what's most important to me is who he is as a person, what's in his heart, whether our values align, not necessarily the color of his skin. So how did you guys meet? So I love I would love to tell a different story, but unfortunately, <laughs> we met on a dating app called Coffee Meets Bagel. Um, my friends convinced me to get on uh, over Christmas break, and Harrison's friends convinced him to get on. And um, I was on for about two weeks. He's the first person I matched with, asked me on a date, and I said yes, and now he's my husband. Yeah, uh, ask her if I was the last person that she matched with. He is still salty <laughs> about the fact that I was not his girlfriend, and I was still you know, swiping left and right. I don't see what the problem was. <laughs> Yeah, so we were 27 years old when we met, um, and I remember being super excited for our first date. So we met, um, talked back and forth, and then we had our first date. Um, and I would say that basically from the get-go, there was uh, a really strong connection. Um, went on a date. Uh, we actually, uh, just for context, we probably dated for a little over a year, then got engaged. We were probably engaged for a little under a year. Um, after we were married, we've been married for about three years now. We've got a daughter. She's a year old. Um, and yeah, I would say the, like the progression of our relationship just like flowed. Um, at no point, I feel like we were moving too fast or at any point I feel like it was going too slow. Like it was, um, it was really good. We had a little bit of early on in our relationship where it was long distance. Um, for about a month I was out of the country and yeah, it was even, even when we were long distance, uh, the, the communication piece, the getting to know each other piece, it, um, it, it wasn't that difficult, I would say. Had you guys dated outside of your race before? I had never been in an official relationship. Like I had gone on a date with somebody who didn't look like me, but I had never been in a like 
true committed relationship that had depth to it in any way. Yes, yeah, same. Uh, I think I had gone on a date with a black girl before, but never in a relationship. Do you find that people treat you differently when you're out and about your family? Are there people who seem to have issue with it? <laughs> I'm only laughing because something literally happened this last week. Um, I would say in general, no. Um, the overwhelming response that we get from, obviously, friends and people that we encounter is positive. But, you, yeah, you have some, some really dumb stuff that happens. I'll, I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, he's, he's being too nice about it. So let me start at the beginning. <laughs> One, being out at restaurants and people like looking at us, it'll be just Harrison and I. We're clearly both have our wedding rings on, flirting with each other, most likely holding hands. And for the waitress at the end of the night to come over and ask, do you want separate checks? Is like, excuse me? Like, this is my husband. I don't understand. Like, read the table. I don't know. Or, you know, what goes through my mind is, are you asking every table? Would they like a separate check? And you're probably not. You're making assumptions about who you think is together and who's not together. Yeah, I don't know what the data is, but I've definitely asked my friends if they've encountered this, like other people who are uh, same race couples. Do you ever get someone asking you like, hey, do you want a split check? And they're like, no, never. So I would assume that that's what's going on mm -hmm. with us. Yeah, and I think as Harrison said, like on our way here, we were on a plane with our daughter you know, obviously it's COVID, and so they typically leave the middle seat open on Delta. But we're a family, so we're sitting in the same row. Daughter's in the seat. I'm in the middle seat. Harrison's standing in front of his aisle seat, and the flight attendant walks by and just says, Sir, are you, are you sitting here? To which he says, Yes. And she said, Oh, are you guys together? To which he said, Yes. And she's like, Oh, okay, because if not, I was going to say we like to spread out seats on the plane what? You don't see that we're a family. We legit have the most interracial, like mixed baby looking, like, like mixed looking baby ever. And so for you to look at my daughter, myself and Harrison, and then say, oh, they're not together. Let me make sure I ask a question here. To me is completely outrageous. And there was another family sitting two rows behind us that all, I think they were all black. She didn't ask them anything. So there's just not, you're not treating everybody the same. You're not asking the same questions. You're making assumptions in your mind about who's together and who's not. And I think oftentimes interracial couples will run into situations where people just don't assume that you're together, which is hurtful, to be honest with you, in 2020. Yep. Do you find that when you have those issues that it's, one type of person or is it kind of a mix yeah i mean they're they're, over, they're overwhelmingly white but yeah. we also live in minnesota which is overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly white, white so i <laughs> yeah i think that um i don't think that people have these negative intentions i don't i don't think that they are like hardcore racists that are trying to make a statement i think it's just people being naive to the fact that Couples come in all different shades, whatever. And so they're just not thinking about it. But I don't think that your intent excuses you from like how it makes someone else feel. And so I think it's just about like, I would want people to just think twice, like assess the situation, pay more attention um, before you 
ask a question or make an assumption, um, I think that's, that's what we would ask as a couple. But at the end of the day, I think it probably bothers me more than it bothers Harrison, just as a black woman, like encountering racism and just being like, here we go again, where he is able to just kind of like rub it off, like shake it off his shoulder a little bit easier than I can. Um, but I think that's just the story of being a minority in this country. So, right. Yeah. yeah I'm very like conflict avoidant. Um, and I'm also just probably a little bit aloof because of like my upbringing. So I don't notice things as much or I'll just like assume that so- they meant something else when they probably didn't. I wonder because you guys are in Minnesota, I guess it depends on where in Minnesota you're from. But yeah, we aren't in like rural Minnesota where we'd probably have a different experience. We live in St. Paul. Uh, and so being in an, an urban environment, um, a fairly progressive state probably changes our experience than if we were to live somewhere else. Yeah, I wonder if you were in the South, if your experience would be the same or if it would be different. No, I think we often ask ourselves that question, um, just knowing that my parents live here and it's something that we're considering moving to Atlanta, but it's something that we think about, like what would be the impact on our family, Harrison and I, but also our daughter who is biracial. So it's definitely something we think about and we feel fairly safe within Minnesota. But I think, you know, you always get the, you know, people just not necessarily knowing what to, what to make of you as a couple. But, you know, whether it's friends, family, you know, I've had, when I first met Harrison, a really good friend of mine texted me after I posted that I was dating him and I put a picture up. And her first question for me was, so tell me about this cream in your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and not, hey, who is Harrison? Who is he? What's his heart? What, do you guys have the same values? Like, where is he from? Is he treating you well? The only thing she wanted to know is, tell me about this white guy that you're dating. And so I think that, uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is. It's not, some people are used to it, some people are not used to it. And so the way that they react to you, I think a lot of times is based on their personal experience. Now, I was going to ask you, how did your family and your friends react when you guys first started dating? Yeah, I would say overall, very supportive. So from my experience, getting to know Taryn and her family, like her mom, for example, super loving woman, um, like not, not a super like warm personality, but like a very loving like person. And she made me feel welcome right away. Um, there was, I think, a little bit hesitation for some people. Like I remember you talking about like your family was like, well, how does he treat you? And maybe asking questions that they wouldn't ask about our relationship if I was, if I was a black man. And I remember even my grandma, my grandma's super sweet, but she just asked this question like, so, so how does she treat you? And I don't think that my grandma like meant anything. Like it was probably nothing, but well, it was she literally. Also, she also asked if I was Norwegian and I was like. Yeah, she was over 90 at the time. So her mental clarity may have been, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are there black Norwegians? Maybe there are. I've there, just never met one. No. Ah, oh, there's that kicker. Maybe. I think there's an NFL kicker who's, who might be a black Norwegian. But no, yeah, I think that the I think that the questions that people had were probably different for me, given the fact that Harrison was white. Um, but to me, what was most important was who he was as a person and um, what was in his heart. And so some of those questions were kind of like, you know, you kind of brush it off. But a lot of people, I think, they just assumed that Harrison and I wouldn't have as much in common. And the reality of the situation is that we actually have a lot in common. It's not saying we're the same people. No, two people are the same. But we had a very similar experience growing up. We 
we, you know, like a lot of the same things. We're, I don't know. So it's. Yeah. I would, yeah, we definitely have more in common than, than not, most likely. Um, like, I think that there's probably a lot of white people that I have less in common with than I do with Taryn. Like, um, for example, that, what's that movie, Sweet Home Alabama, where you got this, like, southern rural Reese Witherspoon dating some, like, urban New York Democrat, whatever. And they, like, those are two cultures that are completely different. I would say that, obviously, there, there are differences, and we'll probably talk about that more, but... Um, there, there are certainly differences between us, but in so many ways, like the things that are most important, like our, our values, like we connect on that and we like that is common ground for us. And so it makes it a lot easier to then navigate some of the other things like the cultural differences that like that we have uh, in terms of our upbringing and, and, and things like that. I remember when I was telling my, when I was going to tell my family that I'm dating Taryn, it, this thought went through my head that. If, if I was dating a white girl, I wouldn't go out of my way to tell my, my parents that I'm dating a white girl. I would just say, like, oh, I'm dating, you know, Sally or whatever. And so, like, this thought goes through my mind, should I tell them that I'm dating a black, a black girl? And I was like, no, well, I was like, okay, pra- pragmatically, like, I should probably mention it so that she's just, like, walking the door, like, why wouldn't you say that? But I, I remember being, like, conscious of the fact that I wouldn't say that I'm dating a white girl, but... I should probably say something if I'm dating a black girl. Um, but I also remember wanting it to not, like I didn't want the fact that she was black to be a big deal and that they would look at her or think about her differently or think about the fact that I'm dating somebody differently because she is black. And so like you, you obviously never know how your family will respond to that, to something like that. And to their credit, they welcomed Taryn with open arms. Like it took like two seconds before they probably liked Taryn more than they liked me. Like very early on in our relationship, it was very obvious that my family like wanted us to come over because they wanted to hang out with Taryn, not because they wanted to hang out with Harrison. So, um, but I, I remember being like, okay, how do, how do I introduce my family to the fact that I'm, I'm dating a black woman and it wasn't a big deal, but it was, it was a thought that I had. Yeah. I'll just take a second to say that I honestly felt completely welcome into his family. And I would say, I was not necessarily expecting that, especially when he said, my grandmother's my favorite person, is Grandma Elma, is my favorite person in the world, and I just love her, and I want you to meet her, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, right? And she's just so sweet and loving and just, I don't know, she was just incredible. And so, you know, when we got engaged, his parents gave me this necklace, and they were like, welcome to our family. Like, every step of our relationship, they were just so welcoming and excited that I was a part of their family that I never felt other than I never felt like an outcast. I never felt like they like discriminated against me in any way. Um, and so that was an awesome experience for me. I think on the flip side, you know, when you grow up experiencing racism, you know, and then your daughter comes home like, Hey, I'm dating a white guy. You know, that's, that's hard. That's just a hard thing to process because that's probably not what you envisioned. I mean, heck, that's not what I envisioned. I never thought that I was going to end up, you know, marrying a white man. I, I didn't know what that would look like. I just figured I'd marry a black man. It, but that just, that's not my story. That's not how my life worked out. Um, but I'm not upset about it. Like, I'm, I love Harrison. I love our relationship. But, yeah, it was, it was hard for my family, I think, in a lot of ways to just think through, well, how will you be treated? How will you be accepted? How is he going to treat you? And I have to be honest, I... Um, Harrison has treated me better than any man has ever treated me. And I don't think that that means black men are bad. I think it just means that in my personal experience with 
this man in particular. It's the best thing for me. And so I'm not going to let the color of our skin or our backgrounds kind of get in the way of that in any way. Talk to me a little bit about cultural differences. Is that something that you had to figure out how to make that work? Girl, he didn't know who Maxwell was. (laughs) And I was like, wait, hold on a second. I don't even know if I can do it. Um, So I would say like music, like background, movies, like, oh, you remember when? Oh, no, you don't remember? Okay, never mind. Um, You know, let me try to explain this to you. Or like, I remember he asked me one time, won't you just wear your, you know, your satin cap? Won't you just wear it out? Why you always take it off? I'm like, ain't nobody wearing their satin cap out. You know, just little, he's like, why not? You know, little things like, hey, I wrap my hair. I got to pull up my scarf. Like, when do I introduce a scarf? You know, just things that he's not used to. Um, I would say it definitely played a role. Okay, yeah. So speaking of your scarf, I remember you kind of brought up like, you didn't, you didn't feel comfortable yet at like that point in our relationship wearing a scarf around me. And I mean, again, I'm pretty culturally illiterate. So in my head, I pictured like a shower cap, like a, like a big <laughs> poofy thing, right? I didn't realize it was just like a scarf. Um, and so when you first brought out, I was like, that's it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's what you're worried about? <laughs> yeah. But okay, like for real hair though. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a dude and I'm a pretty aloof dude at that. So. I don't I don't really know much about girls hair in general but like seriously when it came to like black hair I didn't I didn't know a thing. Um like I didn't know that when I was looking at her I wasn't looking at her hair. Like it was a sewing or like whatever. Like I I had no idea. Now fortunately she was like patient with me and she would like explained stuff to me. Um we watched a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually was was really good with her mom, smart lady. She she like pulled me aside one day. She goes, "Hair is a line item in the budget. Yes. Like you need to know this. And I, for real, I had no idea. Like I probably spend 150 bucks a year on my hair, like max. That's like, we go through that in a month now. So <laughs> that's only if I get my hair done once. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So like that was, that was like a good, good move on her mom to like, you know, let me know so that it wasn't like a shock or anything like that. Um, but it's one of those things where like, yeah, completely like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but like it, re- it requires her to be like patient and understand what somebody like doesn't know a thing. It also requires me to be inquisitive and just like ask questions. It's actually one of the things that I have to like explain to like my friends the most because like white people don't know anything about black hair. So if I'm talking to like my white friends about something and like her hair comes up, I have to like go back to like when I didn't know anything and like really break it down. Like, yo, that, like, that's not her hair. It's like braided underneath. <laughs> yeah, but okay. But hair goes both ways because let me tell you something. When we were in the early stages of our relationship, Harrison cut his own hair. He did not cut his own hair well, but he cut his own hair. Man, and it was so, fine. No, he looked terrible, ladies. Like, I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Like, if this hair doesn't change, I don't know if we can continue. So, um, but yeah, so one day he's cutting his hair in the bathroom and he was like, hey, can you just like hit the back? And I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't know how to cut hair. Right, because I would use like buzzers and I could see everything on the sides and the top so I could like do that. But, but I can't see the back by the neck. Okay, but let me tell you something right now. If a black man knew that you didn't know how to use some clippers, you cannot approach the head. Like you cannot approach. And so when he was like, yeah, just hit the back. I said, I don't really know how to do that. He said, no, it's fine. Just like, you know, you just kind of go up. The head. <laughs> <laughs> just just kind of blend it a little bit. <laughs> Ladies, I was like, 
this is a cultural moment right now because I'm telling you right now, I asked like three black dudes like, hey, you know, would you let me just line you up real quick if I didn't know how to, he was like, resounding no, resounding no from all. (laughs) Hell no is the answer that you get. And so, but little things like that we laugh about right now, but they felt like, wait, what at the time? Okay, here, this this is a good sign of like how far we've come is that like when she needs her hair taken down, I'm the man. And it, probably because I'm a little OCD, but like I pull out, this is so dweeby, but I, I pull out my, um, headlamp, my headlamp, camping, right? Yeah. My, my camping headlamp. So that I like see everything. So I don't cut her hair and I will, I'll take her hair down for her. Yep. He's That's very love good. right there. It is and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm real good at it. <laughs> that is love. That's true love. I think other, other things that's, uh, interesting is like, I told you, I came from a very like white context, Taryn, uh, like most of her close friends were black. And so when we got married and you looked at our wedding party, it was like the epitome of segregation. Like everybody on her side of the like front of the church, black women, everybody on my side of the church, like white dudes. When, uh, when, when people came in, we, we purposely put up a side that said purpose, put up a sign that said, pick a seat, not a side. Because if we didn't, it'd be like all the black people on the left, <laughs> all the white people on the right. And it would just be the picture would have been like really embarrassing. Not embarrassing, but just no, embarrassing. just weird, embarrassing, weird. We like we intentionally like beforehand. Like I told my friends, like okay, y'all need to go sit on her like the left side, and then she told her friends, like okay, you guys gotta go sit on the right side, so that there would be some people already mixing it up. Do you feel like people have misconceptions about being in an interracial relationship? I think so. I think people think that it's this big thing that every morning I wake up and I look over and I'm like, oh, it's a white man. You know, and that's just, that's just not Harrison is Harrison to me. Like every morning. <laughs> no, I mean, Harrison is, he's Harrison to me. He's not, you know, he's not some white dude on the street. Like he's, he's my husband and we've have, we have a really deep relationship. And so, you know, the color thing, the background, the differences, that's not what we think about every day. We think about our love for each other on a daily basis. And so, you know, I had a friend just ask about even Eliana, our daughter, you know, well, you know, she looks different than you. Do you have a hard time bonding with her? Like, that's my daughter. And I know she meant it. It came from a positive place. And she, her and I are close enough that she could just ask you know, ask a genuine question. But it just let me know that people look at others on the exterior and make so many assumptions and like have so many feelings that are, that's, it's just so interesting that like even my own daughter, you think that because she's lighter than me, I would have an issue connecting, you know, because people just don't think that I get to know him as an individual or I like birth my daughter. And there's just love there. It's not anything else. Um, and, but for other people that haven't necessarily experienced that, I don't know that they understand. And so it's just our job, I think, to just continue to help people understand um, what it means to truly love the person um, for who they are. Yeah, there are so many dimensions of difference between people. Uh, I think as, a, as society, it's just easier because that one's so so visual, right? You see two people of different skin colors and just assume difference, right? But like I said earlier, I think that 
I probably have more in common with Taryn than I do with a lot of white people in, in many respects. So basically what I hear you saying is everybody else is making a bigger deal about yes. race. It's nothing to you guys. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's um, an oversimplification to say that like, oh, just because you are a white and a black person doesn't like, you just need to get to know each other. Right. Like again, I, I don't think that it would work for Taryn to marry any white guy. I don't think it would work for me to marry any black girl. I think that where it probably comes up the most is in terms of talking about racism, social justice things, like mm -hmm. things that I've experienced, the way that I'm looking at it, the way my friends are looking at it versus the way Harrison's looking at it, the way Harrison's friends are looking at it. And I think that's where it gets really difficult yep. because I'm like, that was racist. And he's like, well, maybe it wasn't. And I'm like, yes, it was. You know, it's just, there's mm -hmm. no, it can feel like as a black, as a black person to hear a white person say, well, maybe it was something else. It just feels like you're not seeing it. You're not seeing it for what it is. And he can feel like, well, wait, why don't I get a voice in this? Like, just because I'm white means I have zero things to say of substance on this topic. Like, how mm -hmm. is that fair? Right. And so there's this push and pull of trying to listen and understand each other. But when you're coming from like a place of being a minority, having like talked about, learned about, potentially mm -hmm. experienced discrimination, you know, you just don't want to hear from another white person that, oh, that's not, that's not true, <laughs> right. you know, or that's not how that happened. So mm -hmm. I think that's probably where our house gets really contentious. But at the same time, I could absolutely credit Harrison for being willing to learn, open to listening, and, um, you know, trying to understand as much as possible and then trying to have conversations even with his friends, which I appreciate. I remember being upstairs after George Floyd was murdered and all of a sudden I hear from the basement just like, you know, that was absolutely wrong. You know, it was eight minutes, 46 seconds, just like all this stuff. I'm like, what the heck? I come down, Harrison's like arguing with all his friends. Like, I think he just started calling people, just <laughs> going down the list, having conversations that he probably would not be having had he not been married to me. And I just remember being so proud of like, he's willing to talk to his friends who let's be real. Like that's, that's what we need more of allies talking to other people, going out to their communities, going out to their friends saying, Hey, there's another perspective out here. And I, and not saying that they all didn't agree, but it was just so funny just hearing him passionately argue and like, you know, stand up for this man who was murdered in our city in a way that I don't know that he would have had he not had the experience of marrying me. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, obviously, so much has been going on in our country in terms of the conversation around racial injustice, more so than I think when we were growing up or even when our parents were growing up. And it's one of those things where I think that for us, a lot of times our, our initial reaction to a situation is very different. And so it requires a lot of patience, a lot of listening a lot of vulnerability to actually say what you really think about something and trust that the other person is going to like to hear you out assume the best but then also push back in in the right way so it's been like really those have been the more difficult conversations i think in our relationship but they've also been to your point i think the most fruitful because when you talk about like what are the what are the blessings like the the joys of being in, in an interracial relationship is that you, you start to see the world from someone else's perspective. And I, even if you're in a relationship where you are both the same race, you still experience some, some broadening of your perspective, right? You, the two become one, you get to understand your spouse. You, you see the world through their eyes in many ways, but 
when their eyes have such a different background than you in, in some like very important ways, it helps you see that like when we are talking about a lot of these racial injustice issues, for me, honestly, as, as a white guy, it's a relatively abstract conversation. It should be more emotional for me than it, than it is. But the people who are on the, on the losing end of these situations aren't people who look like me. It's super easy for me to identify with the white people in the story. Like, man, it's really hard to be a cop. And it is. But, like, I, I, don't, I don't as easily identify with George Floyd because his story's on the surface level very different than mine. And so to hear my wife talk about how she connects with both people in the story or someone in the story who, who I don't connect with is very uh, eye-opening. It is, yeah, it's been, it's been really good in, in our relationship. Uh, hard though to have some of these conversations because I feel like a bad person or I feel like she doesn't understand me or I don't understand where she's coming from. And so it, it takes a lot more time and effort to, to work through these issues, but it, it's, it's so beautiful to, to be able to get to a point where, oh, I understand you better or I understand this issue better because of, of you. Would you say that's a benefit of being in an interracial marriage? I definitely think it's a benefit. Um, my horizons are broader and so are his. Um, yeah, I don't know. I am better because I'm married to Harrison. I don't know how else to, to put it. Like, and I think if you're in a relationship and you two are not making each other better, then you should probably be questioning that relationship. And he makes me better and I make him better. I think that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the things that's mm-hmm. beautiful about our relationship. Yeah, I think anytime you're in a situation where you're, you're with some, someone who's different or you're surrounded by people who are different, there are some inherent challenges, right? Not just in marriage, but um, even in a school system or in the city that you live in. So, you know, living in the city, you, you experience a lot of people who look and sound and act and believe things that are different than you. But I think that is a huge benefit, right? Because you're able to understand like a broader context, the, like the bigger world. You're, you're able to have a more nuanced perspective on whatever the issue is. like how much more so when that's in your own home. And I have to say, I'll tell you, when I first met Harrison's friends, you know, I thought like, ooh, we don't really have much in common. You know, I, I looked at them and I was like, okay, they were a bunch of married. Like I got married at 21. I already have five kids. I live in, you know, middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, um, I'm a corporate woman. I'm black. I don't have any kids. Like, you know, we just had different lifestyles. But those people are so genuine and so nice and like welcomed me accepted me so what's interesting is I talk to a lot of my black friends and they don't have any relationships with people who don't look like them they don't have any they don't have a list of close people to them that have supported them that have reached out to them that didn't look like them and I have that and so I think that there's a kind of a joy and a uh, spirit of understanding and of like seeking reconciliation and like thinking that like, no guys, the world can look different because I've experienced it. And so few people have experienced that because they stay in their own bubble on both sides. They're not interested in a relationship with somebody who doesn't think like them, look like them. They're not interested in learning something new. They're only interested in their perspective. And so because I've had these positive relationships, positive interactions, 
I don't fear white people when I walk out my door, right? Because the story is bigger than what I see on social media. And so I encourage people to find authentic friendships because you never know what you're going to find out there when you open yourself up. And now if somebody shows you who they are, then you got to close the door. You know what I mean? But if you don't even know who that person is first, you know, be open, I would say. Now you guys have a baby, a biracial baby. One in seven babies are born biracial, according to my statistics from Pew Research Center. It's reputable. Yes. <laughs> Thinking about Eliana and any future kids that you guys may have growing up biracial, do you have any fears about that and what she'll experience? Yeah, I had mentioned earlier that when I was growing up, I didn't have to think about the fact that I was white most, most days. I think that Eliana is probably going to have to think about the fact that she's biracial um, most days as she, as she gets older. Like she, will, she will be cognizant of the fact that her hair doesn't behave the same way as her white friends or her black friends. I think that's going to take a little bit more effort on our part. Um, my concern is that she will feel like she's a third culture kid. She doesn't completely fit in with white kids, or maybe she doesn't completely fit in with black kids. So where, do, where does she fit in? Like, what, what is her place? So that's, that's a concern. Um, I have, we haven't experienced it, so I don't know if that's going to be her experience or not. Like, she, she might have no problem fitting in with one group or multiple groups or anything like that. I know that a lot of people of color have conversations with their kids that are different than, than white people will have, have with their kids. Now, if my parents talk to me about how I should speak to a police officer, yes. Like, if, if you get pulled over, this is what you should do. So I know that's a very common conversation having, having a black household. But I also remember that the way that my parents spoke about the police was in a very positive manner. Like, I remember we were getting ice cream one time when I was maybe like seven. And there was a police officer there. And my mom goes up and she said, hey, would you mind if my son uh, got to look inside your police car? And he was like, sure. And I was so excited. Like, I, right? And I got, he, like, showed me how the lights work and stuff like that. And I just, right, I just like grew up with this like very positive image of the police. Um, I don't know what my conversations will look like with my daughter, but like I, I hope that she can feel like she is home, where like where we live and the people that we interact with. I hope that she can feel at home. I, I don't know what that will look like, but that like that that is I guess a concern and, and that it might not work out. And my, my hope is that is that it does. Yeah, I have concerns about her fitting in for sure. Um, but I would say as a black woman who talks the way that I talk, like I had concerns fitting in. I mean, I wasn't black enough for the black kids downtown Atlanta and I'm not white, so I couldn't be a white girl. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily fit in a lot of places. It's like, I wasn't trying to act white, quote unquote. I was just talking how I talk. Right. So I think that I'll be able to relate to her on some level, but I don't know what it would be like to have two groups that are often like in tension with each other and have both of those things be a part of your heritage and your background. So I have this fear that I'm not going to be able to help her through a lot of the challenges that she's going to encounter. But I also have fear that, or fears that growing up in Minnesota, she will identify herself as a white girl and and just like, oh, but my mom just happens to be black because there's not, there's not really that many black people. Yes. 
And so I have this fear that like, no, we have to raise her in Atlanta because she's got to know that she's black as well. You know, and so I think it's difficult to to think through like, who will she be? But to also like let go a little bit and know that like God has her and like she'll be fine. And not only will she be fine, but like she gets to choose her identity. And my job is just to teach her both and to, you know, teach her about who she is and then to like see how her personality evolves and to love her regardless. But it's hard. So I'm like, you know, I don't know how to do her hair. I add water to it, girl, and it just curls up. And I'm like, I mean, like, that's crazy. This is so cool. But I'm thinking, like, do I take her to the black salon? Do I take her to the white salon? Like, I, you know, there's so many little things that I'm like, I need a support group. Um, I need a bunch of interracial moms or, you know, moms that are in an interracial relationship with biracial children to teach me, you know, what I should, what I should do, how, what I should be thinking about, even sunscreen. You know, well, black women will be putting on sunscreen. And so it's like, she'll burn. <laughs> so just, like, little things. Um, are just things that you notice that are different. And so it'll be interesting to see what type of experience she has growing up. But I, I know that she's probably going to get picked on. Like something's going to happen. She's going to get called an Oreo. Like something will happen. But I think uh, I'm hopeful that the majority of her experience will be positive. And I think one thing that is helpful is that we've got a number of friends who are also interracial and their kids, they're biracial. And so I think that is something that is nice about where we live. Obviously. If we send Eliana to the local public school, most of the kids are going to be white. But we probably disproportionately have friends who are black or interracial, and I think that that will be helpful. I don't think it will solve the issue, but I think it's definitely helpful that she has other friends that have a somewhat similar story or background, and she can identify with them. And she still has, like, I just, I want her to have a place where she can call home and where she feels comfortable. And I think that that will be the case, but I also know that there are some, some challenges that she'll face being biracial. Anything that you haven't said that you feel like people should know? Be open. Yes. Don't block your blessing. If somebody's for you, they're for you. White, black, yellow, green, purple, it doesn't really matter. Find somebody who treats you the way that you want to be treated. Find someone who helps you grow. And find somebody who has the same values and perspective in terms of the big things that you're looking for. And don't close yourself off because I would say that when you are with the right person, marriage is incredible. And not everybody is for you just because they look like you. And so there's so much that you can learn. And I always said, like, I know that life will be more interesting with Harrison and it has not disappointed. <laughs> like our life is an adventure. He makes me better. Like, we love each other very deeply. And if I would have only been concerned with, well, what's the color of his skin? Like some of my friends or family were, I would have completely missed the biggest blessing that God had for me. So I would just say, be open. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I won. I, I married better than, than Taryn did, so, so I definitely won. I'm, I'm the one who's out of my league. I don't, I don't think that an interracial relationship is inherently better or anything like that. Obviously, our experience has been wonderful, and I have nothing, <clears throat> like I, I have nothing, positive, nothing but positive things to say about being in an interracial relationship, but it also doesn't mean that it's uh, inherently wrong. And I think some people would probably say, that, like, oh, it's in, inherently wrong or something like that. But you should always be open, right? Like you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And I remember you talking about, Taryn, uh, a good question to ask is, 
who's in the picture frames in your house. And that's not even just saying like, who are you married to, right? There's nothing wrong with marrying someone who looks like you. Um, but in terms of your friend group, like, do they all look like you? Because you're probably like missing out if, if that's the case. And statistically, most people probably fall into that camp because of where they live or whatever, right? Like if you live in a community where everybody looks like you, you don't have a lot of choices. But if you're in a context where you do encounter people who look differently than you, are you intentionally going out of your way to maybe not build those relationships, whether it is a friendship level or a romantic level? And obviously our experience has been super positive. Like we've, we're better for it. And I think a lot of people would be better for it if they had more, uh, more relationships where they were interacting with people who were different than them on some level. I think it's, it's a, it obviously poses potential difficulties or problems, but uh, benefits far away the cost. I agree. I also really love my wife a lot. <laughs> I love you too, baby. <laughs> oh, y'all are so sweet. Thank you guys for talking to me. This was a great conversation. Very rich. So I appreciate you guys accepting my invite. Oh, thank you for having us on. We think your podcast is awesome. Yeah, anytime. And now for the mic drop moment. Though there are some cultural differences when it comes to interracial relationships, we, those of us not in them, make a bigger deal about racial difference than what actually matters when it comes to the success of the relationship. A bigger factor in the success of interracial relationships is whether those two people share the same values and whether or not they're open to both learning from their partner and being patient enough to teach their partner. Making assumptions based on skin color about who could or couldn't be a couple can be hurtful to people in interracial relationships. Take a deeper look before asking questions that you might not ask other couples. One benefit of being in an interracial relationship is the ability to form a deep relationship with someone who may broaden your perspective on things. We should all take a look at our own circles. Does everyone in your circle look like you? When we form meaningful relationships with people who don't look or think exactly like we do, we gain a better understanding of other cultures, we're better able to empathize with people unlike us, and we start to see what connects us instead of divides us. Thanks for listening. Grace and blessings.